0: to highlights from One Planet podcast interview with Yi Li,
1: Chief of Growth at Terraformation. This podcast is supported by the Yan Michelsky Foundation.
0: Terraformation, first and foremost, is a forestry accelerator. We're trying to help the world's forestry organizations collectively plant a trillion trees in the next decade. Uh, and cover 3 billion acres of net new forest in order to reach that kind of scale. I mean, that's, that's kind of a crazy number, right? Like a trillion, that's such, <laughs> it, it kind of rolls off the tongue, right? But that's a very, very large number. Uh, some of the very largest tree planting organizations in, in, in the world, like collectively plant something like half a billion to to three quarters of a billion uh, trees per year. And that even that number sounds large too. But then you realize that's actually three full orders of magnitude smaller than the actual number we need to hit in the next decade, right? So we actually need to take all of the world's largest forestry organizations as a group and a thousand, you know, X, right? A thousand, multiply by a thousand their efforts. So that's like a really, really very large undertaking. And I just can't underscore enough the scale at which we as a human species seek to operate right here when we talk about uh, tree planting and, and, and forestry. Uh, Operations. So, in order to reach that kind of scale, Terraformation has identified four different bottlenecks that hold back the world's largest forestry organizations to to be able to maintain that kind of scale. First and At human societies are actually quite good at at seed banking. We have major partnerships with groups like Kew Gardens, the Millennium Seed Bank, and Botanical Gardens Conservation International, who who generally focus on, I would say, agricultural seed supply. And so we have, you know, major stores of of agricultural seeds. But when it comes to native tree seeds, we haven't just as, as societies we just have not collected like enough quantity of seed to be able to go pursue very large scale tree planting operations. And so. If we want to be able to cover a trillion trees, there's a, there's a sequencing of things like you need to have the seeds before you can plant the trees. Trees need time to grow. So seed supply number one. Second key constraint is, or a bottleneck, is just labor, trained labor. If you think about the, the level of human effort, we estimate that we're going to require tens of millions of trained foresters to work in this field. So we view this second bottleneck as really raising a new generation of forest entrepreneurs and ideally bringing tens of millions of people into the space who are interested in carbon forestry, who are interested in native regenerative forestry to, to pursue this as a lifelong skill set, as a career opportunity. So that's the second bottleneck. Third a bottleneck that Terraformation is tackling is around carbon remote tracking and carbon standards. Today, this is just a, a really a sort of hard. Publicly harped on as their shortfall of, of today's carbon projects. It's just really hard, really expensive, and somewhat slow to verify carbon stocks, to create baseline plans, and then to measure how much data do you have to collect as just manually in order to create a large enough sample with which to then estimate carbon sequestration. It's a really difficult and slow undertaking. So we need to speed that up. If you really wanna be able to measure trillions of trees, then we need to have more automated ways, more remote sensing ways, ideally using drones, low-flying aircraft, satellites, soil probes, right? There's a lot of different technical efforts that can be undertaken. To make carbon measurement and carbon verification a lot more accurate, a lot more um, remotely available, real time, and, and to account for biodiversity that's in the forests. The current standards that that I just measured, right, or that I just mentioned, this idea of walking through a forest, measuring trees girth. This focus is very much on on the trunks of trees, which is a good thing, right? Trees are obviously like the whole point of, of the endeavor, um, but. One of the things that that scientists, carbon scientists and, and, and forest scientists have pointed out is that the entire forest ecosystem actually captures a lot of carbon weight just through all the flora and the fauna, the the, the canopy, the understory, the, lo- the ground level plants, the mycelial networks in the soil, the bacterial life, right? All of the predators, the birds, insects, right? Like all of those are carbon-based life forms, and if we could somehow capture measure the full carbon weight of forest ecosystems, right? If you go from degraded land that does not have tree cover to a lush, rich, mature forest ecosystem, you're doing a lot more than just growing trees. You're creating a whole ecosystem, all of which is carbon capture, right? And then fourth, but not least is uh, forest finance today. There, there have been, again, very exciting progress and, and, and announcements in the space. There's billions of dollars of capital that have been committed to carbon RFP programs that are you know, corporate buyers like Facebook, Google, uh, Uber, D- Delta Airlines, Tiffany's, right? There's all these companies that have made carbon ne- neutrality or like carbon zero commitments. And it's exciting to see that they're committed to all these dollars to, to, to purchasing carbon. But- you kind of can, as a forester, you can really only participate in those if you have a mature forest already, right?
1: Could you tell us about your CEO Yishan Wong's experience at Silicon Valley and that how that might help you with uh, your efficiency and modeling of TerraFormation's goals?
0: My experience has actually been a little bit different, which is Silicon Valley actually is a place where good ideas kind of get stolen or borrowed. But really the secret sauce to to, to Silicon Valley is not like coming up with new ideas. It's actually taking a good idea that's already working, maybe observing it from another company or or borrowing it from like a research lab or something, but then figuring out how to take that good idea and scale it to millions or billions of people. So Ishan and I, in, in founding Terraformation, very much wanted to, and sought out, right? Giants, broad shoulders of giants to stand on, who had good ideas already about how to solve nature-based carbon sequestration problems.
1: So, but still, in terms of the numbers, a, tr- a trillion trees in the next, is it the next 10 years that we'd need to do that?
0: So the, the objective has been to, by 2050, to have that many trees be mature, to have absorbed that much carbon and, and during, their, during their growth cycle. And if you want to have a 20-year period of growth for before you, the world gets to 2050, then there's about 30 years between now and, and, and 2050. So if 20 years of those 30 have to be growing trees, then the first 10 have to be planting, right? So you kind of start with the end in mind and just just backtrack back to what actions do we need to take today in order to get to the end we, need, we were trying to aim for by 2050.
1: And tell us about some of those projects you have in Hawaii itself.
0: Choosing Hawaii as a, as a headquarters was actually a strategic choice. The, the island of Hawaii, the big island of Hawaii is actually really big. It's two and a half million acres. So it's a pretty large land surface area and at different altitude bands and at different places around the circumference of the island, there's, there's basically 10 of the planet, uh, the planet's 13 biomes all present in one place. And so that makes it a fairly magical place to find uh, degraded forest. Uh, and reforestation opportunities, and on a, on one piece of land, on one island, you can actually do a dry desert environment reforestation project, and you can do a human degraded, you know, urban urban nature interface uh, restoration project, and you can do a wet tropical rainforest restoration. You can do high altitude forest restoration, etc. <laughs> the the pieces of land that 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 are best to reforest and that have the highest restoration potential, usually are degraded or recently uh, altered pieces of land that used to have trees in the last hundred thousand years. I uh, used to have forests in the last hundred thousand years, but just today for, for a variety of reasons are not. So those lands tend to be concentrated in sort of equatorial latitude bands just north and south of, of, of the equator. And every single continent actually has chunks of this kind of land that, that are available. Having said that, it's definitely better and re- really a recent uh, research on forests and, and, and their interaction with the atmosphere have shown some really interesting uh, signs that, the, that we, should, we should follow as a science or data-driven organization. The, what the scientists are telling us is that if you can grow contiguous pieces of forest that are large enough that they will tend to alter cloud cover above the forests right and that's a really really interesting and powerful discovery because if we're able to put together forests that sequester carbon and alter cloud cover above the forest to create more clouds then we can alter planetary albedo and actually have a cooling effect as well so not only will force sequester carbon which is of course the the greenhouse gas that's trapping heat on on, on, in the planet but also be able to reflect heat back into space that would be a truly marvelous geoengineering solution right so if we could put together large enough containers swaths of forest, then you, you start to get those kinds of sort of albedo plus carbon sequestration effects and that's really something that that the terraformation's eager to, to explore
1: and as you think about the future and education and the kind of world we're leaving for the next generation, what teachers and life lessons have been important to you?
0: My kids, I think are just my my muses on on, on thinking about the future if you have te- so I have teenage kids and they will ask very poignant questions and so I really struggle right with this idea of climate change affecting their livelihoods and to to the point where maybe they have to worry about food supply maybe they have to worry about water supply and that to me was a huge motivator to work myself on climate change because I don't want them to have to worry about basic necessities. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.